Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on The Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be talking about the 2015 football season and the loss of Mustafa Jang for the basketball team. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Jim Stick Schulte, and our guest today is ESPN.com's Andrea Adelson. Andrea, thanks so much for coming back on the program. Thank you so much for having me back. Andrea, I wanted to get you started on this one. Last year, NC State was the surprise of the ACC going 8-5. and five. Who do you see as this year's sleeper team? Well, I think it's going to come out of the Coastal Division, and there's a couple of teams that I have my eye on. I don't know if Virginia Tech counts as a sleeper because a lot of people think they're going to be better this year. I had them as my choice to win the Coastal Division ahead of Georgia Tech. But since they've slumped over these last few years, maybe they do count as a sleeper because they haven't really gotten back to 10 wins in the last three. So Virginia Tech is a team I think that has a chance to win 10. Another team that I'm keeping an eye on is Miami. A lot of people are down on Miami going into the season after the disaster of last year going 6-7 and and then losing seven picks to the NFL draft. They lose a guy like a Duke Johnson, a Clyde Walford, a first-round pick on the offensive line, Eric Flowers and Philip Dorsett as well. And so people wonder, how could Miami be any better this year with all of those missing players? I think they have a chance to be better because they've got Brad Kaya coming back as a sophomore, and I believe what they're saying in this offseason, that they have a lot more team cohesion. I think they're going to be better on defense, better up front, which has been a real struggle for them over the last five years, and I think they're going to have a lot more depth than they've had, and they have more scholarship players than they've had. So... Miami has a difficult schedule, but I also think Miami could have an opportunity in the Coastal this year. So you have Miami and Virginia Tech as your potential sleeper teams, but how about, I guess, a sleeper player, a breakout player for 2015 in the ACC? Well, there's a couple of guys at Clemson that I have my eye on. Shaq Lawson at defensive end, who's taking over for Vic Beasley. He's a guy who's played a lot over these last couple of years as a backup, and now he's going in and starting. I think he's going to have the potential to get double-digit sacks for Clemson this year. And another guy there at receiver, Sharon Peak, is somebody that nobody is talking about. There's a lot of talk about Mike Williams, a lot of talk about Arteva Scott, but Dabo Sweeney says that Sharon Peak has had the best offseason, the best spring out of all of his receivers. Then at Louisville, I'm also looking at a couple of receivers, uh, uh, somebody named Jamari Staples, who transferred in from UAB, 
And then a Jaquay Savage, who had to sit out last year because of transfer rules. The Louisville is going to be a high-powered offense, but they lost five of their top six receivers from a year ago, including Devontae Parker. So I think those two guys have the potential to really step up and have big years for Louisville just based on what they like to do on offense under Bobby Petrino. And, Andrew, let's go to the ACC blog for a moment. Earlier this week, you wrote about the top ten games to look forward to this season. Which game are you personally looking forward to the most? Well, Florida State-Clemson, which I had number one, would top my list simply because this one usually means the winner ends up in the ACC championship game, and I think that that is going to be on the line once they play again in November. Both teams do face Georgia Tech before they have to play each other, Um, and so those three teams have to play, uh, and so we'll see how all that round robin shapes up this year. But for the ACC, Clemson-Florida State has to, has to be important, has to be the national marquee game that they believe that it will be, that it has been over the last couple of years. And this has really developed into, I think, one of the premier rivalries in the ACC. I still think Miami-Florida State counts as a bigger rivalry uh, because of the history and the tradition there. But for what it's meant for the ACC, it's been hard to top Florida State-Clemson. And so that would be my personal choice as well. And, Andrea, we'll get you out of here on this one. I want to get your take on Syracuse. You know, I've seen prognostications, best-case scenario, Syracuse ekes out a bowl game, worst-case They end up with a season like last year. Where do you fall on the spectrum, and what needs to go right for Syracuse this year to be successful? Great question. I've been going back and forth on Syracuse as I've been looking at the schedule, and I believe there was a national reporter who said that it sets up well for Syracuse to start off potentially 5-1, when you look at the beginning part of the schedule. Um, But there is just so much youth on this team on defense. Uh, and the fact that they've had several key starters on the defensive line not been able to participate this preseason has left me scratching my head a little bit about what we're going to see out of Syracuse in the early going on defense, especially because this team has relied on that defense so much over these last several seasons. And even though there were all those injuries on offense last year, the defense played pretty well and held its own. They just couldn't score because they were down to their fourth-string quarterback. So I think the offense will be improved. I like what I've heard out of Terrell Hunt. I like what I've heard out of the coaches and how they're going to try and be a lot more multiple in the words of Scott Schaefer this season. But based on all those questions on defense, to me, I think if Syracuse can go five and seven, you know, I think that's going to be a vast improvement over a year ago. But I think going to a bowl game at this point, given what what weights on the back half of the schedule and also just all those questions on defense is going to be really hard. Andrea, thanks so much for coming back on the program. Again, Andrea Adelson from ESPN.com. Great job as always. We'll speak with you soon. Thanks for having me. I always enjoyed talking to Andrea Adelson and reading the ESPN ACC blog. I'm now joined over the phone by the Juice Online senior columnist, Jim Stick-Schulte. Jim, how are you today? I am excited about being back on the podcast. Hopefully it's a triumphant return. Uh, I'm sure it will be. And Jim... Your annual football preview is running next week, so let's get a preview of your preview. Who is the most important player for Syracuse this year? I think most people would say Hunt, just because everything went south after the quarterback got banged up last season. Or with the young defense, people probably think Ron Thompson or Zaire Franklin. Thompson because he's the most experienced. Uh, Franklin because he's being put forth as a clear leader on the defense, uh, having repped that unit at both ACC Media Days and SU's Media Day. But I'm going to go with Irv Phillips, the 
H-back or shall we say express back. Uh, Herb's also going to return kicks, it looks like, at least kickoffs for now. Um, the reason why I like him as the most important player on the team this year is because he had 85 touches last year, but I figured that's going to probably get close to double that, at least more than 150 this year, You know, if, especially if he wins the kickoff return job. Um, Lester's strength, offensive coordinator Tim Lester, his strength seems to be tailoring his offense to the players he has and what they can do. Um, I think Phillips is a guy who could do a lot for that offense. The one play that sticks out for me from Phillips last year, and I don't mean to bring up a sore subject, but uh, in the first quarter against Clemson last year on the road, uh, the Orange had fourth and one, and they actually gave it to Phillips on a jet sweep from in motion, and he picked up seven yards. So he clearly has the speed and ability to shake uh, that can cost some defensive coordinators some late-night study in film. I know that I just asked you for a sleeper overall, but who do you see on this defense as the guys who are really going to step up and fill that void? Well, with the very low experience level on this defense, uh, it's going to be young guys all over the place, and I think there's a few that are going to step up, actually, uh, one on each level. Uh, I think the freshman defensive tackle, Stephen Clark, he was the he's the kid who was uh, originally overlooked as a recruit from Alabama. He was uh, verbally committed to South Alabama and then eventually flipped over to SU late in the uh, in the recruiting process. He also doubles as a power lifter. He's really strong, and it seems like every day uh, when the media gets a, gets a hold of the coaching staff member, either Schaefer or somebody from the defensive side of the ball, they talk about Clark, and it's almost always in a positive manner. So you have to think he's at least going to be in the rotation and, and be, a, be a contributor. Uh, another young player who's constantly being talked about in camp is outside linebacker Paris Bennett, who's a sophomore. Uh, the one thing that's been mentioned a lot about him is his blitzing skills, even as a you know another undersized guy. But uh, Schaefer's always had linebackers as the key to his defense, and we had an undersized linebacker who had seven sacks last year in Cameron Lynch. I don't know if Bennett can match that, but the way he's been talked about in camp, I think they're expecting a lot out of him, including the fact that it was noteworthy enough to the press that he sat out Tuesday's practice. That, you know That was very widely reported. And in the backfield, I like registered freshman safety Rodney Williams. Uh, he got banged up in the second game in Central Michigan last year, but it was after he recovered a fumble, which shows he has some playmaking ability. The safeties are really young this year. Uh, I know we've had some stuff about uh, Antoine Cordy on the website, uh, highlighting him as a player to look forward to. But I think uh, Williams has a good chance to win a next forty, or at the very least, contribute a lot in a rotational, you know, kind of in a rotational way in the defensive field. All right, Jim, it's prediction time. How many wins does a 2015 Syracuse football team get? Well, the first thing is there's just such a wide variance of outcomes uh, for the team. Uh, you know, if, if healthy, the baseline number goes up. Uh, but the, the one thing that goes really well for this team this year is the way the schedule set up. There's winnable games to start out, the gut check with LSU, and then a bye week before two other games where you see that, that they should be, you know, that they have at least a puncher's chance in South Florida and Virginia. So, well, we'll get into it more in the preview, but I think the, I think – even with the baseline of you know the combination of youth and the new offense that everyone has to get on the same page for, I think the baseline is three wins, which obviously no one wants to repeat of last year. But I honestly think the top end is eight, and anything in that range is possible. Just you know, getting back to when things even out over the long-term picture, you can't imagine that they're going to have a season where they're really ravaged by injuries like last year. So you have to think that three is less likely, shall we say. But I wouldn't want to blow the prediction in the preview for next week, would I? <laughs> I love how you tease it. Jim, we're right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts. With fall around the corner, you know, September is almost here on that calendar. Football comes to the forefront once again. But let's not forget about the other fall sports teams up on the hill, especially because a couple of them are pretty darn good. 
they're both getting underway Friday, and there are actually two ranked teams in that SU athletic department. Uh, first one is the men's soccer team. They're currently ranked number 15 in the country to start the season. And remember, and they did climb up to number one in the country last year. And the other one is uh, the women's field hockey team. They're ranked number four in the country to start the season, a couple returning All-Americans to that squad. So should be a, another good year for both of those teams, and uh, hopefully the field hockey team can finally get over that hump. They're right there. Jim, my closing thoughts are on former 2015 Syracuse signee Mustafa Jang, who announced last week that he would be attending a JUCO college in Florida because of an NCAA clearinghouse issue, but apparently there's still a chance that Jang may end up at Syracuse this season. Peter Stein of the New Jersey Herald told ESPN Syracuse earlier in the week that if Jang gets cleared in the near future, he still could play at Syracuse, so there's a window open, and I think I speak for all of our nation, Jim, when I say fingers crossed. Sounds good to me. That's it for us. For Jim Schulte, this is Wes Chang reminding you that I think a bad place for a fire would be the factory where they make those trick candles. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time. This has been the Juice on the Cues podcast, part of the SNY.TV podcast network.